is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. It does kind of remind me of like the line art of Picasso. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Why don't we keep the whole million? Providing insight. This reminds me of uh, Walmart.horse. Commentary. Don't puff your chest out all hot saucily. And conjecture. The Supreme Court has <laughs> roundly rejected prior <laughs> restraint. <laughs> That was the best one ever. That was tight. Tight, 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 tight. Tight, Brad. I could tell as soon as we hit the three, it was like, that's tight. Fucking tight. I'm still on a high from having the Doodly Llama on the show last time. Yeah, that was awesome. Awesome. Episode 100. It all just came together. Sometimes the stars align. Um, he was so accommodating, he was so gracious with his time. He's in a very, very, very different time zone than us. He got up early, he set an alarm. Just, I mean, that right there, I don't, I feel guilty. I feel terrible that. about that, because that's very undued. But he did it for us, and thank you, Doodly Lama. Yeah. We are not worthy. Definitely not. Yeah, so it's kind of a come down now. Episode well, 101. Well, I don't know. That was so we did episode 100. Big 100th episode. But think about it. Now we're on episode 101. Yeah. Episode 101. So you're saying anybody can get to episode 100? Yes. But it takes real but dedication just, to We got to the summit. We're keep going. <laughs> 101. There's a higher summit. How high does this shit go? You know, let's find out. We're going all the way. We're paddling our way through the stew. Going all the way. We got onto the carrot, and we're like, this is nice. Let's see what else there is. A little piece of celery out there, you know? A little piece of uh, browned and tender beef. Who knows? Who? You just never know. That's what's so awesome about it. Yeah, man. So, yeah, shit. Episode 101. Uh, 101 is here. So, you know what would be good for episode 101? What? Uh, if we started out with some shout-outs. Dude, we gotta do some shout-outs. Definitely some shout-outs. We should have done it last time, but uh, I don't know. We, I, well, we had the Doodly Llama, everything else going on. That's my fault. I, I I feel like you were probably going to do it, and I prematurely poop-decked us. I'm not poop-decking. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> what just happened? I didn't do that. I'm just saying I'm not doing that. Okay, good. Wow. Uh, we almost had the Well, mythical. no, it was a good... The way you did it last time was good. <laughs> you, you, We need to do that more often. Yeah, no, I wasn't necessarily going to get to the shout-outs, because we were so deep into it. I think shout-outs should come early on, because... Early on. There's, you know, there's such a, you know, the odds of these people listening that deep into the episode to hear their shout out is just so slim. Very, very slim. So you should start. All right. I'm going to start. I want to give a shout out to good old Joe B. Is that his name? Joe B? How do you spell Joe B? Joe B. He's a listener in Jersey City. Is that first name, last name or just first name? Joe B. That is first name Joe, last name the letter B. That's a weird last name. All right. Yep. What did what did Joe B have to say? So he said, 
he actually wrote us quite a missive here with that raises a bunch of interesting points. We'll have to like break it down here, paragraph by paragraph. Yes. So he says, he writes, Dear Brad and Adam, first of all, pre-congratulations on your upcoming 100th episode. See, he wrote this after our 99th, and we didn't give him a shout out on the 100th. Now I feel extra bad. So that's two layers of but guilt that we have. There's now. only one. Th- I think there's only one thing better than a shout out on the hundredth episode, and that's a shout out on the one hundred one. What the one hundred one, baby? The one hundred one. What one one hundred first? The one hundred first. The one hundred first. So first of all, pre congratulations on your upcoming hundredth episode. So we have post congratulations now, but okay. a lot to me. Since I discovered it about six months ago, I estimate I've listened to all extant episodes on average five times over. I have a long commute. <laughs> so I'm going to stop there for a second. <laughs> I don't know if you have any comments on that. Um, That's just a moment just to pause on that one five times over. Well, first of all, nice words. Extant. Nice word, man. Yeah, it's a nice word. I had to look it up. It's like extant. I looked it up. Oh, it was like existing stuff that's already there. The the implication being, I guess, obviously I'll listen five times over to new ones too, but for now, the extant episodes. You know, there are like mystery episodes that never saw the light of day. He hasn't listened to those either. Well, he, right. He doesn't have access to those. The ones that are still in the, in the thing, you know, like when we had to re-record episode 27. And other times. Because the first one was just too scandalous. We're like, we can't actually release this. We had to redo it. The first two were too scandalous. Actually, it was three times I recorded that. So, yeah, good point. Good point. There are mystery episodes out there that will never be heard. Sorry, Joe. So, uh, yes, Joe. Sorry you don't have those, but also so flattered. That you've listened to this five times over. Five times over. I was trying to do the math on this. Um, episode averages an hour and 15 minutes or so. I was trying to be conservative five times over. And that has to be a really long commute. And that's on average. Right. Some of them he perhaps has listened to more often than that. Well, it doesn't mean that he's listened to them. Oh, maybe 1.5 yeah, speed. No, I, I was thinking, you know, it doesn't mean he's listened to an entire episode every commute, if that's what you're getting at. No, that's not what I'm getting. Just just in general, like, since, I forget how I had this time frame, but like, you know, you work five days a week, uh, your commute is, we'll say, an hour and a half each way, that's three hours a day, he can listen to two, two episodes per day. Mm-hmm. So in a week... He can listen to ten episodes in a year. Uh, what do you What do you work like forty nine weeks? Well, that's a good estimate. But the week is five days, not seven days. Uh, I don't know. I I just factored it out. And it's like holy shit. That's that's. Uh, I don't know. It's just a lot of times to listen to this, and I know that I had to listen to episode six three times, and I wanted to kill myself. So. Good on you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit. It's very flattering. Yeah. A piece of trivia. We have, uh, so far, there's 136.8 hours of content have been released on this podcast. 
That's it. <coughs> Excuse me. You're still hacking it up there. That's it. It seems like there would be more. That's not doesn't seem no. like what there is. Hmm. There's a lot. Of, so I'm looking here at all the episodes. I have them all loaded into iTunes. There's not very many that hit two. Well, no, no, no. But I and there's not very many that even break an hour and a half. Uh, yeah, I was. Well, so are, do they average an hour and fifteen minutes? Then was that a good estimate? So be the average, and, and so we have it gets confusing, right? Because we have a couple phone ringings, dudes in there, right? But if right. we say uh, out of a hundred episodes, um, that's about right. Maybe an hour and twenty it averages. That's about an hour. It averages about an hour and twenty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That doesn't. Now that I'm, you, you know, you put it that way, that doesn't seem like that much. We need to do more. We are um, fucking lazy. 136 hours? Yeah, that's not much. What if I said it was 5.7 days? That seems like nothing. Like Those nothing. are full 24-hour days. I understand that. I could do have that to in three sittings. Wake up on Monday, start going, and stop sometime on Saturday afternoon. And that doesn't make it seem... That doesn't belittle it to you? That seems like nothing. I could do that. I couldn't do we it all at once. We could have this whole podcast in a week if we just... In a week? You're telling me that doesn't... And also chronicled the effects of massive sleep deprivation at the same time. Well, you know what those effects are. You have a pretty good idea. I think we just figured out our idea for our next podcast Tem- again. Temporary fucking psychosis. Let's see what happens, dude. That's a great name for the next podcast. Temporary psychosis. <laughs> I just think, in a week, we could generate all the content, but it would take, like, several years to release it all. So all the content is already created, and while we already know the end, we can spend all the rest of the time on promotion and marketing. Right, let's market this. Like I told the Doodly Lama, we're trying to generate revenue streams here. Like, we know that you're getting a little message there. I heard that. Yeah, I know. Usually I put that on the, the soft place. (laughs) <laughs> there i put it place. over on the soft place yeah i don't think you'll hear it i but since i was in such a rush to fire up the recorder here i left it on the desk okay um shit i love that idea i'd be willing to take vacation time in order to do that and you know we could take little cat naps we could take a little, like, 15 to 20-minute catnaps, and the other person would have yeah. to, you know, fill in the gap there. I would hate... Oh, I see. So it's kind of like a, uh, yeah, like marathon-type situation yeah, where yeah. people could come in and out. Sure. Interesting. Why not? A whole week, though. Well, five that days. That would just be so painful. So painful, but as painful as three years worth I don't know. These have been three of the best years of my life <laughs> since I've had this podcast. So I don't know. I'm not sure if it's a great uh, trade off. What do you think it would be? So you start Monday at 12.01 a.m., right? Well, do you- I don't know. I'd say start Monday in the morning. Fine. You have a good night's sleep. You're ready to start. Start at the crack of noon. Yeah, you're like totally rested, ready to go. What do you think yeah. the podcast would be? Devolve into by say, because it would go in like there'd 
be sort of an ebb and flow of the psychosis and the insanity. But let's say by Tuesday night around midnight, mm-hmm. we've been going for 36 hours straight. What mm-hmm. do you think it would be like? It would be horrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for both right? us and the listener. But... but then it's like Mickey Mouse voice guy. If you keep and you push through, you know, and you try to find the edge of the bowl and climb up out of the terrain, yeah, it might true. come back around and get and get great again. No, you got it. Well, not again. Maybe for once. For once. So, well, it's an experiment. I'm up for trying it. We don't have to do five days. Like, no, maybe we're biting off, but maybe just 48 hours straight. Yeah. I've stayed up for that long before. Very fucking interesting things start to happen. I don't know if I have. I've certainly done 24. That's like easy. This but this was. I'm be- not sure what I've done past 24. I doubt. I don't. I'm pretty sure I've never done 48. I've done 48, and I combined it with 50. Weirdly enough, I want to say 54 hours of not eating. So I overlapped those two. No, that's a good overlap. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do it, like, you might as well go all in. Um. But this is before we were going to school in the same campus. And, yeah, there was a lot of weird shit going on. A lot of, like, emptiness happening. Mm. Like, everybody's asleep, and there's quietness. And now you have to, like... It reminds me of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the old one, like the black and white one from whenever. So you just did this as a challenge to yourself? Yeah. Okay. Let's see what happens. See what happens. And I did see what happens. That's a great motto. (laughs) Right. I did start seeing things. I swore to fuck. I saw a little red skunk wandering through the computer lab. Uh, It was, um, I did start going into temporary psychosis. And there was just, you were trying to keep the sleep devils at bay. Because they were always there. Like the hunger, the hunger is one thing. You can deal with the hunger. That just comes at you. Mm -hmm. It's like, nah, you can kind of swat it away. But the sleep devils come up from behind. Right. Kind of like the little, like, black wormy things from the X-Files. And then all of a sudden they're in there, and before you know it, your eyes glaze over black, and you're just done. If you're not careful. So you gotta keep moving. You gotta keep, keep doing stuff. Which then tires you out, and uses energy, and since you're not eating, you know, you start going downhill like it's, like you said, climbing the summit, but then once you get to a certain point, you've exhausted all your energy resources, and, like, you start sliding down real quick, like mm-hmm. a roller coaster. Right. So that would be interesting. Let's let's put it as a, uh, we'll put it on a soft hold for now. Yeah. Temporary we'll psychosis. The, we'll put that in the soft place along with my phone. <laughs> right. There's your phone and temporary psychosis. Yes. So back to Joe B. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's listened to these things five times, which is awesome. It's very flattering. Very flattering. Humbling. More than flattering, really. It's just Although, humbling. really, even as the maker of these, I don't know that I can recommend to listen to them five <laughs> times. Four, yes. Five, maybe. Three to four. Five? Five is a maybe. 
Four is a definite. Five is a maybe. Six is pretty iffy. Seven is probably a definite no-no. Yeah, seven is temporary psychosis territory. But he continues, I even convinced my wonderful girlfriend to start listening. The way we talk about it, people assume that we know you. E.g., I might say, did you hear what Brad said about Star Trek on the podcast? Her. Which time? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which, one, (laughs) Star Trek. Like, yes. Yes. You and Star Trek in particular. Me and Star Trek. You, You obviously are a listener. Right. And I love that. Our Lebowski podcast is most known for discussions of Star Trek. <laughs> I don't necessarily love that, but I'm... <laughs> I do. I know you do. Of course you do. I'm okay with it. I don't love it. I don't love, love it. See? See, I can't say it. I don't... What is Kenny Conko's first law of metaphysics? Uh, I don't love it? Yes. <sighs> he continues... You are doing mightily important work, dudes. Please don't ever stop. Well, see, that's... We're almost to the point of stopping now because we're on episode 101. But I I don't think we're going to stop. Well... We're working out what comes next. Hey, Brad, shh, 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 shh. We're going to stop. Don't, just tell them we're going to stop. Right. Get them all worked okay. up thinking that we're going to stop. All right, all and right. And then when we get to the end, it'll be like, hey, hey, just kidding. And then we'll just release, like, episode 119, and it'll be, like, a big surprise. But if you tell them that, then it ruins it. If you Okay, say, We're gonna okay. okay. I love that um, Joe B. has got his girlfriend listening to us. That's another female listener. Yeah. We gotta widen our demographic here No, I like widening the demographic. <laughs> um, I do think couples that listen to Gutterballs together stay together. So they say. So they say. So that's that we we have that we have a couple data points on that now. So gutter uh, freaks the yes. gutter ball together, gutter stay together. You got it. You got a date Wednesday, baby. Keep going. I want more. So yeah. So he continues. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Anyway, I wanted to ask you guys about something that I haven't been able to figure out, specifically about Maud. And I know it's a hell of a revisit. Specifically, how did she know the dude stole her mother's rug? And doesn't it seem somewhat improbable that within a day or two of movie time, she finds out it's missing, tracks down the dude, perhaps with a network of art bums, finds his house commits three separate crimes, breaking and entering, assault, theft, against the dude, all because of this rug. If it meant so much to her, she could have probably retrieved it from the titular Lebowski at any previous time. So why is this important now? It's not even like her late mother gave her the rug. It's the other way around. Okay, we're going to stop there because I want to... There's a lot here. There's a lot. There is of a lot here. Data well, points. I mean, do you want to? I think we got to continue a little right, further. Ju- at okay. least. Okay. Okay. Could it be that she genuinely thinks the dude has a million dollars of her mother's money, and she could get it for herself? She does, after all, offer the dude a cut so that he can return the money to her. Would she do that if she were only motivated by her compassion for the achievers? She does seem pretty flippant about them. 
Maybe this is nothing, but is there any possibility that when Maude and her thugs went to the dude's house, they were actually looking for a briefcase full of cash? A million dollars can buy a lot of art supplies, after all, or a lot of baby clothes. I'm not necessarily saying this is what the Coens intended, and this might all be just wild speculation without any basis, preposterous as a two-inch pigeon. (laughs) That is pretty preposterous. But I wanted to get the gutter doll's take on it anyway, since wild speculation is what you guys do best. All right, can we... Can we stop there? We'll and stop there. Break this down. There's a little bit more, but I just yeah. want to. Okay. So, how did Maud know that the dude. First of all, thank you, Joe B., for this because this has provided a lot of food for thought. But <laughs> you don't have to quietly hold it in. We can hear it's you, not, man. It's not a cough. It's like it's. I know the little gases escaping from within me, like leaking out. It's very weird. It's a weird thing. Gases escaping from within (laughs) you. Yeah. (laughs) Where are they escaping from? They're escaping like through my mouth, but in this bizarre way, like through. It's like a weird, like hiccup type thing. Type weird <laughs> breath like that. It just happens. I, there's something. I don't know what's going on, man. But it's been like, yeah, like a couple weeks now. I've I been know. Stuck you got with this. You got to kick that shit. You got to feed the monkey, man. Yeah. Just feed the fucking monkey and get rid of it. Um. know that the dude stole her mother's rug well here's my fucking opinion man just because Maud says she doesn't approve of the titular Lebowski's lifestyle he doesn't approve of hers doesn't mean they're not in communication and contact with one another because what I gather is Maud's mother the titular Lebowski's ex-wife is dead Maud being the daughter has inherited all the money, all the control of the money, the house, everything. She just lets her pathetic dad wheel around in his wheelchair and, like, lord it over whatever he feels like, but doesn't have any actual money. She gives him a little allowance. She's in control of all the finances, et cetera, et cetera. But the mansion that the titular Lebowski lives in, that's Maude's house. So she probably goes there a lot. And compound that with the fact that she, even though the titular Lebowski is sort of like the figurehead in charge of the little Lebowski urban achievers, Maud's really in charge of it. So they're in contact with one another. So mm-hmm. it, to me, it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, she's there at that mansion a couple times a week, probably walked through the house and was like, hey, what the fuck? Where's that rug? I gave it to my mom. It's not yours, asshole. Where did it go? Oh, this bum story, you know, whatever. Right. She could find that out. Or she even, I mean, you know, you know, mentioned it to uh, Brant. And he's just like, oh, well, we gave it to this guy. 
Right, right, right. Because I'm sure Brant, you know, brought her, like, answered the door there. She probably doesn't even have to wait at the door, but whatever. Yeah, she was probably talking to Brant. Now, within a day or two of movie time, she finds out it's missing tracks. The dude. I don't think that's that improbable because they, you know, the titular Lebowski and Brant have been in contact with the dude. They know him. They've probably exchanged information. Right. I mean, they at very least know his phone number. Right. And his name, because it's the same. Right. So that's not so bad yet. I I think it's not it's not crazy to assume that that could happen. Right. Um, so let me see if I have this correct. Okay. The dude is laying on the rug. Uh, listening to the bowling sounds. The championship. I think- he opens his eyes, uh-huh. sees Maude and the thugs looking down at him, uh-huh. and then, bam, he's popped in the kisser, and he's knocked out. Has a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Wakes up. He's laying there. The rug is gone, but the phone is ringing, and it's Brant being like, Come on, we're trying to get a hold of you. Come over here. Yes. Well, was his beeper going off? Because they gave him a beeper. Yes. Did, 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 it wasn't did, the phone. It was right, the beeper right. was the beeper. going off. The beeper. And so then, so he at that point when she first went there, he did not have any money. He did not have any money. He did not get the money yet. Granted, this whole who knows what when kind of scenario, Maude may not even understand it. They've withdrawn the money. Yeah, yeah. She may know the plan is to give it to this bum, someone the square community won't care about. Uh-huh. Yeah, because... But it, maybe she doesn't know the handoff didn't happen yet at the same time. You're saying the titular Lebowski at this point in time has already withdrawn a million bucks from the little Lebowski Urban Achiever Fund. Right. And she has seen that because she probably keeps an eye on that account. Or she has an accountant that keeps an eye on that account. Okay. So you were saying... Well, I'm just trying to think, because when she first comes into the apartment and roughs him up... He doesn't have any money. He doesn't even know about any money. He, does, he didn't even know about the money yet. But she doesn't, happened. she doesn't know that, though. It's very possible that she knows that... He's been there. He's stolen a rug. There's been a million dollars withdrawn from the um, Mm -hmm. account. And she may also know about the ransom note at that point. The dude doesn't know about it yet because he's on his way to go find out about it. Well, he knows about the ransom note. The dude doesn't. Not until he goes to the mansion. No, he's already been to the mansion, found about the note, asked him to do the handoff and gave him a beeper. Then he is at the bowling alley oh, saying, like, right. oh, yeah, yeah so. it's, it's great. I get to keep Ugh. 10%, whatever. You know what I mean? Right, you're right. You're right. You're right. Look, here's my guy that gave me a beeper. Then the beeper goes off. Then he goes there. Then he actually gets the money. Right, right. He does. You're right. I got It's a very that. elaborate, multi step process. A lot of fucking ins, a lot of outs, a lot yeah. of what have yous. A lot of strands in the old adder's head. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it is an interesting question. I mean, I don't know that she was looking for the... Well, I don't know. I mean, that's... I, 
Okay, I don't think that it's crazy she noticed the rug was missing. I don't right. think it's improbable that she could track down the dude in a couple of days. She's got his name and his phone number. Um, I'm intrigued by the idea of a network of art bums. That's for damn sure. Committing three separate crimes? I mean, that's kind of par for the course for the dude's little bungalow. People don't seem to have a problem breaking into that place, so... Bring entering assault, theft, yeah. I mean, that's one of the downsides, right, to being someone the score community doesn't give a shit about. Right. You, people are pretty much, at their whim, at their whim can just break into your house and you don't have any recourse. Right. Break in and rough you up. Um, and also, so we, we go on here, though. It meant so much to her, she could have retrieved it from the titular Lebowski at any previous time. She doesn't have to, because that's her house, it's her rug. The titular Lebowski is basically just a squatter there that she allows to live there because it's her dad. She doesn't feel like kicking him out on the street. So I don't have a problem with that either. Um, so, but just this question of, could it be that she genuinely thinks the dude has a million dollars of her mother's money and she could get it for herself? That's See, that to me is the most interesting part because... Maud wouldn't go and withdraw the million bucks because then she'd be on the hook for it. But if her bum of a father mm -hmm. already did the embezzling and she's just trying to re embezzle the embezzled money. In essence. Right. But that makes the embezzlement even harder to track. And the first person they're going to stumble across when they investigate this is going to be the titular Lebowski. And then he'll get in trouble, and he'll go to jail or whatever, and she'll be sitting on a million bucks. Who's sitting on a million fucking dollars? The trunk of her car, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm intrigued by that idea. Uh, and w what that makes me think, and you know, Joe B is right, because she does offer the dude 10%, $100,000? Once they didn't find it at his apartment... She offers him a hundred grand to get it back, and what's she gonna do? Keep the, keep the whole rest of the million. She's gonna keep nine hundred grand. Then, that's it's an intriguing idea, and I I agree with him that she does seem pretty flippant about the, yeah, the uh, achievers. Proud we are of all of them. Blah blah blah. Who gives a shit? If I can get almost a cool million, embezzled. It kind of fits, you know, especially in a film noir. There's always like this strong, they call them this, uh, this ice, ice covered, snow covered volcano. It's always like the female character seems cool and cold on the outside, but inside it's this raging inferno and it's like, don't fuck with them because they could like, they, they just have all this like energy and fire and like, anger that could explode and they will take you down if you fuck with them and they're already fucking with you but they have this like cool placid exterior and i think it's another trope trope is trope the right word yeah uh maybe convention is i don't know but i th and i think mod fits that as far as like a classical film noir goes so yeah this was fascinating and it makes me think about the second time the next time that Maud is at the dude's house, when he 
comes back after the chief of police of Malibu and Jackie Treehorn mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. He trips over the board nail there, falls down. Maud comes out. His whole apartment's trashed. Maud is there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. look for the one who will benefit the most. And, um, you know, you know what I'm trying to say walrus. here? You know what I'm trying to say, right? It's like Lennon said. Walrus. Um, if you just try to find the person that, um, you know what I'm saying here, right? No, exactly. V.I. Lennon, Brad. The person Vladimir Ulyich Ulyanov. So, so yeah, that's an interesting (laughs) theory. I think. Maybe she trashed the fucking house. Yeah, the second trashing definitely lends it some, some credence. Because the Treehorn thugs are at Jackie Treehorn's house. What, then now they're going to drive all the way back down there? Like, they didn't even... Wouldn't Unless they just, there was a second set of thugs. Yeah, yeah, you know, but look for the person who will benefit the most. And, like, the criminal is already there in the house. That's Maud. You know, you always return to the scene of the crime. She's right there. Oh, shit. He's back. Go out the window. I'll pretend to whatever. I want to have a bit. I I don't know, but she does want to. I don't know, man. I just think it opens up some very interesting cans of worms. Indeed. Consider the cans opened. Worms are squirming. Squirming worms. Joe B has opened some squirming worms on us. So he does have one last question. Well, I'm not. I don't think I'm quite done. Okay. <laughs> okay, your gases gotta take a break. You're, you gotta. You gotta release the gases. I guess that's what you're doing. Uh, yep. No, I don't. I don't. Continue. I'm done. One last question, dudes. Okay. When's the very special video episode going to happen? We've been waiting for, like, ever, man. I've been trying to get you to do this for, like, ever, man. And you said uh, it, what, struck to the core of your fear or something along those lines. You probably don't even remember. No, I don't. I don't, I'm not even sure (laughs) what special video episode. I kind of vaguely... Well, we were still sort of working it out. We were, you know, spitballing and throwing right. shit up against the wall and seeing what kind of shit stuck. Yeah. Probably the sticky stuff. The tape of life. I mean, I think we could... Yeah, I mean, I think we... You know, video is an untapped uh, area, especially if we're talking about a film. So... Well, it could be uh, like a live... A special- Stage performance, you and I are there, but maybe there's a divider between us. The audience can see both of us, the audience being the cameras that's shooting it, but we can't see each other, and we we do it just like we're doing it now. I can't see you, right? but, but we're doing it in the same physical space. But we can know. do things like wildly pantomime the things we're talking about. Right. You see so what I'm talking kind of about, falling off my bike or seeing a two-inch pigeon... Or getting my balls on. <laughs> They'll be like hilarious, like <laughs> acting out of these things. Well, it's putting a face to the voice, which I think that is maybe what frightens you the most. 
Because right now we well, can look like anything. When I see the people who I listen to and then I see what they look like, it's fucking is always, disappointing. It's always. I don't know if I would use the word disappointing, but it's always shocking. And then I never quite hear the podcast in the same way again afterwards. You, no, you never do. You never do. Well, we, I, I got some ideas about it. We can right. talk offline. So when's it? So his question is, when's it going to happen? Thanks for the encouragement. You put it back on our radar. We're going to see what we come up with. That's the best I think we can do, right? That's probably the best we can do. Yes. But I will say it's been on my radar off and on the whole time, though. I, I've been thinking about it because there are ways, dude. Trust me, there are ways you can get you and I on video. Trust me. You don't want to know about them. Right. But what time by, is by it? By 3 o'clock today. Oh, I could have video of you and I. With nail polish. With fucking, like it's so hard. Get a toe. You know. So he closes out, sincerely, Joe B., the listener in Jersey City. A dude who just wants his carpet. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. That's Clearly, awesome. he is not a golfer. Clearly, he is, on a personal level, a really enormous fan because he had deep references yes. throughout this. Thank you, Joe B. So, he's not done, though. He's not? He had one last question, but now he also has a bonus question. Holy shit. Maud wants to have a kid with the dude who has the same last name, and she never even wants to check to see if they're related. Really? I, I have a counter to that. Let's hear the counter. Maud does insist that he goes to a doctor mm -hmm. and gives a semen sample. Maybe that was part of it. Not only to figure out if he's a viable father and the kid is not going to have any atrocious, you know, deformities or mm -hmm. whatevers, but maybe also to, <laughs> in fact, confirm or disconfirm whether or not the dude is related. Right. I would say I'm not sure if there. I guess I just don't know if they would be able to do that with 1991. I don't know if they could do technology. it. Yeah, I don't know if they could do it now. I have no idea. No, how they that could works, do it now because they just okay. look at the DNA and just know everything. Okay. Well, yeah. But this would be, I think. But at the very least, since she is going through all the trouble to run him through the doctor and get him checked out, she could have like a team of genealogists, right? Also right. work in the case. I think there's plausible S deniability. Yeah, so I'm going to say she probably is. Although it is bizarre, and I never quite thought about the fact that she does want the father of her child to have the same name, name as her father. As her father. <laughs> right. Well, I guess, I don't know. That's, yeah. And then imagine There's A if, lot of psychoanalyst analysis to happen there, I suppose. Imagine if she named her child Jeffrey Lebowski. Where who's my daddy? The you know the kid grows up. Who's my daddy? Well, your daddy was Jeffrey Lebowski. What the fuck? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not grandpa. Not grandpa. Right. He's my and father. He's my grandfather. He's my father. He's my grandfather. <laughs> you probably don't get that reference. God damn it. It sounds familiar. Jesus, Brad. Not only that. What you were gonna say something. Well, not all, no, it's not just your grandfather, it's not your father, nor are you your own father. <laughs> right, well. That would be a more startling re revelation. Maybe. 
Maybe. I guess. Maybe. So thank you, Joe B for writing in. We love that you're listening. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you for all your kind words and, you know, keep listening. Joe B, you Shout are out to you and your girlfriend and your girlfriend. You're a wonderful, wonderful girlfriend who you're a special lady friend. You're fucking special. Yes. Special. No, it's my fucking lady friend. She's but, not my uh, special, my fucking special lady. She's just my lady friend. I think that's how it goes. I don't know. I forget. Can't keep it all straight. No, man. That's like intermediate Lebowski's right there. Right, right. We've drilled down past that at this point. But uh, yeah, Joe B, you are like the the pieces of the tree when you're trying to find kindling to start a fire. And it's, you know, it's been raining Maybe not within the last hour, but maybe earlier in the day and it's getting towards evening and you want to start a fire and you find a a tree that's fallen over and it's gotten wedged in the crook of another tree and it's been there a while and you tear off some of the underside of the bark and the little pieces of rotting wood because the underside is dry. Everything else is wet. The leaves are wet. The little twigs are wet. But you find the kindling and you put it on there and you light a spark and it fires it back up. That's what an email like this means to us. It's that spark that keeps us going. It really makes a huge difference. I don't know about I mean I'm speaking for myself. Well, no, I I'll I'll just take those those words and say they equally apply to me too without a doubt. Uh yes, it's the spark, the spark of life that's so vital that we sometimes go so long without. <laughs> right. <laughs> These cold not metaphorically cold right it could be the middle of summer hot and humid as hell but it's still cold inside it's without these sparks cold so and moist thank you joe b thank you thank you for drying us out sparks of life so we're not done with shout outs we, we are not we, we, we have another shout out we do we do i'm gonna give a shout out here well do you want to do this one uh I'll, sure i'll do this one i'll try i guess uh, actually, now that I'm looking, why don't you do it? Actually? All right. I'm going to give a shout out to, and I'm not sure I'm going to say this right. That's why I'm having you do it. Uh, Kakabub. <laughs> I think it's hit us up on Twitter. I think it's Kakabub. Kakabub. <laughs> Kakabub hit us up on Twitter and he or she, let me click this profile. I don't think it gives any. Doesn't really say. I'll go with he or she. I don't think Kakabub is even human, judging by Kakabub's profile picture. Well, that's just the profile picture, but yeah, that's not. It's. it's I'll say whatever it is. Kakabub uh, hit us up the other day on Twitter and mentioned, you know, they had just finished episode fifty-two. It's nice to know there's people still working through the catalog. Yeah, they're halfway, a little past halfway to this episode. I wouldn't quite call it the bulk of the series, but. You know, majority of the series. Yeah, definitely. Um, (coughs) So he hit us up. Speaking of accidents and plagued films, which um, I guess we talked about plagued films in that episode. Yeah, Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we talked about then. Gotcha. Yeah. So he, he sent us this link to this trailer for this movie, Roar, 
which coincidentally you and I were talking about just maybe a week beforehand. Right. I, and I thought we were doing it on the show, but I guess not. No, I don't think so. Maybe I hope not. we didn't talk about it on the show. I think we just texted about it. Yeah, it could be. Um, so fucking awful. Yeah. So this is from the latest. This got to uh, be a link. I'll, I'll put this in the Yeah, show. we'll definitely put this link in the show notes, which you can find, dear listeners. Cockabub, if you're there. Joe B, anyone else? Kakaboob. Kakaboob. You can find us, Kakaboob. Kakaboob at kakaboob.com. No, at gutterballs.tv slash 101. Because this is episode 101. Or you could just go to gutterballs.tv and then go to whatever episode. Find, scroll through, look for episode 101. Yeah. But if you want to get right to this, gutterballs.tv slash 101. While you're there... You can find the link. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes. Please. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. Leave us a review us on a iTunes. I love that shit. Do you want to send us a, a long uh, missive? Have us read us on the air and discuss it like we just did with Joe B? Contact link is right there. Gutterballs.tv. Contact. We get there's it. A, you get there. There's a form. Fill it out. Let us know what you're thinking. There's a little wooden door at the base of a tree back in the woods, and I go there every other day, and it kind of creaks open, and my letters are in there all tumbled about and greasy and stained with God knows what, but I read every fucking one of those letters. Sorry, you were saying? You were just giving me, yeah, I don't know, I was imagining a tool shed for some reason. Where he made us suffer? Where he made us suffer. (laughs) No, this is different from that. Good. So, yeah, this roar, this movie called Roar, which um, has been resurrected by Draft House Films, which is the, you know, it's a division of Alamo Draft House, and uh, they find these kind of cult type films, these kind of films that you can't really uh, believe could could really exist. Um, Standard Austin, right? I'm a big right? fan of them. Yeah, the physical draft houses in Austin, although they have... Um, they branched out. They've branched out. They're around the country. I see one. I could swear there's one. I see it from 95, kind of re- somewhere in Virginia. Huh. Could be wrong, but I, 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 I swear I see that. But they have... Um, yes, but then they also like you know distribute movies on Blu-ray and digital download and stuff, especially these cult classics. Miami Connection... Uh, was it Draft House was responsible for bringing that to a lot of day? Which, oh my god, if you haven't seen it, look it up, watch it. If you like bad movies, Miami Connection, don't right up it. there with Samurai Cop, just don't watch it or The Room. Don't listen to Brad's recommendations. But their, their latest thing they found here is Roar, which is this bizarre film, um, that in essence. Um, um, who I'm trying to think it was, uh, Noel, I want to say, well, Tippy Hedren and the other guy's name, I think it was Noel Marshall. Yeah. Something like that. Who Noel Marshall worked on the exorcist. Tippy Hedren, of course, was from the birds. Um, their daughter Melanie Griffith is Tippy Hedren's daughter. Um, you know, they lived in, they lived with these, uh, Wild cats, so tigers, I, panthers, etc. I'd seen pictures of them living with these cats, like yes. here and there, but I had no idea they were doing it to make a movie. And I thought that it was just one wild beast. 
like one lion that they were living with. And I'd seen these awful, awful pictures, but they were living with 150 wild giant cats, fucking tigers and lions. Mm hmm. And yeah, and they tried to make this movie, which seems kind of like a it's it's kind of like a narrative piece, I guess. But kind of again with the I think with the animals being unpredictable. I don't know. It's hard to do. I haven't seen it. I've only seen the trailer, which we put the trailer in our show. Yeah, we got to put the trailer there. But in essence, you know, um, the tagline is no animals were harmed in the making of this film. But 71 members of the cast and crew were. Jesus. And you see in this trailer all these shots of, like, you know, people are talking. And then, like, a giant cat just jumps on someone. And the other members of the cast and crew just, like, run away or are, like, pressed up against a wall with a look of horror on their face while another guy is getting mauled next to them. Um, It's... It's... <laughs> The draft house, I assume the draft house made this trailer. Yes. There's a choice quote mm-hmm. that they they put, because this movie was um, underwritten by Disney, of all things. I'm trying to find this. Here it is. The quote is, it's like Walt Disney went insane and shot a snuff version of Swiss Family Robinson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy Fuck, man. It's yeah. just, it's, even watching it is, <laughs> even just watching the trailer is terribly upsetting. Ugh, I just don't know how anybody didn't die, but like right. Melanie Griffith had to have facial reconstructive surgery. Uh, the one, I guess, what's his name? Noel Marshall had to have like 200 stitches in his scalp one time. Right. He ended up with gangrene. That he- <laughs> That he claimed to have uh, willed out of his body. Oh, jeez. But yeah, there's all these awful pictures you can find. and oh, Yeah, and I, some of these shots, like there's blood, like, the, like there's blood like covering the lion's face. Right, right. And you just have to assume it's human blood. Yeah, and it I says guess, here, Tippi Hedren, broken leg. Uh, Melanie Griffith, facial reconstructive surgery. Noel Marshall, gangrene, multiple puncture wounds. And I guess they started this as a way to, like, as some sort of conservation effort to promote, right, like raise like, awareness about right. the plight of the big cats. Right. Look at we got to help these poor little cats and help them. I don't know that it did that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I wonder if. This movie or Titicut Follies is more banned. Which one is banned more? Well, this isn't banned at all. Was now it, it's like well, a, now it's here, but only because the draft house aggressively pursued it. Well, I think it was it. just here before because it was like no one like again. It's one of these things where you know you someone watches and they're just like, well, we'll never uh, like, like this isn't marketable. <laughs> You know, we we can't put this out. Well, they just weren't marketing it the right way. Right way. And then, yeah, and then, you know, wait 30 years and someone's like, oh, wait a minute. People will watch this in a completely ironic way. It's the long con. 
Yeah, it says here, by the time it got finished, it already smelled like failure to distributors. Roar was never released in the U.S. It received a one-week international release in 1981, raking in less than $2 million and a plethora of bad reviews. It was deemed the most expensive home movie ever made. That's a brutal, brutal review. Yeah. Speaking of bad reviews, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Did we get an but iTunes thank you, review? Thank you, Kakaboob. Kakaboob. Thanks, Kakaboob. Yes. Roar looks awesome. I love um, holy fucking shit movies, <laughs> and this is one of them, and I can't wait to see it. Oh, and I just as an aside, I see... Drafthouse Cinemas in both Winchester, Virginia, and Arlington, Virginia, which is where I was trying to get you to come down a couple years ago. They were showing The Big Lebowski. Ah, at the Drafthouse. Right, and I went to a showing there, so I should have known that. You should have realized, yeah. So it must be Winchester is the one I see from 95. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It's a little little far out there, but could be. I mean, maybe not. I feel, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not even in Virginia. Maybe it's even in another. It depends. If you if you come down four ninety five, you're probably seeing signs for the Arlington one. That's not too far away. Winchester's like forty miles out. I feel this is like right off of like right past Fredericksburg. Okay, and maybe it's not ninety five. Maybe it's like no, it's ninety five. Ninety five goes through Fredericksburg, right? Mm Hmm. Yeah, it's 95 there. Like, right after you get on 95, right after you pass Fredericksburg, you see it. So hmm. I feel like. Interesting. <clears throat> anyway. Anyway. Bad reviews. I, I mean, it's become a this new movie, Pixels. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up. But Pixels, Adam Sandler's new movie where he fights video game characters, mm-hmm. has just been getting so much bad reviews. Well, people maybe need to adjust their expectations. Well, I mean, I think their expectations might be adjusted. I think they're, they're, I mean, they make a lot of salient points, I do have to say. Isn't Tyrion Um, Lannister in that movie? He is in that. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? But, uh, uh, I think Adam Sandler kind of lost his mojo about 13 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I love but, The Waterboy. Uh, I could watch that movie over and over. Right. Well, that was... I, I think the people giving this movie a bad review would say, yeah, Waterboy was fine. It was dumb fun. Mm-hmm. Happy right? Gilmore. Whereas Pixels, it's just, like, again, there's nothing else. Like, the reviews here... Yeah, I can't find it. I had... I should have took a screen grab of it. Just all of the... All of these like headlines, these bad reviews. I see here one uh, Pixels review. Adam Sandler must be stopped. <laughs> Grown Ups 2 <coughs> is a movie yeah. that he did. Mm-hmm. And there's a um, uh, podcast that, you know, it smacks of gutter balls in a way, but two dudes decided to do a podcast for a year and they would watch Grown Ups 2 every week for a year so 52 mm-hmm. times and then they would 
their podcast was like, I guess, talking about the experience of watching right. it. Well, again. that was their, again, that was their way to introduce uh, temporary psychosis, right? Right, right, exactly, exactly. But apparently it's so, so, so bad <clears throat> that it does put you in a special place. I don't remember what that one was called. I mean, it's that's the kind of thing, right? Exactly. You find the movie that's just, it's just... Oh, it's called Worst Idea of All Time Podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's on Stitcher. Here, we'll put a link to that. Give those fellas a shout out. Why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. So, we're about an hour in, almost. Are we almost... I'm not done with revisits yet. Are we well, done we with... we didn't even get to the revisits. No, so we... I guess we better start them up. We're st- still on shout outs. Any other shout outs that we have? <clears throat> I don't think so. Okay. That's good enough for now, I think then. we're clear to move into revisit territory. All right, so I just... I'm not going back that far, just to last minute. Yes, because the last minute, because we definitely... Well, we, we knew that we'd have to do a bunch of revisits, yes. because we did not really get into the meat of it. We really only talked about the first half of the minute. We left some meat on the bone, as it were. Big time, yeah. Uh, so my first revisit... And it, just because we were... Like, totally flummoxed by having the Doodly Llama on. So it was kind of like, yeah. Anyway, I have a revisit. It's an audio revisit, if you want to go to it, it's at 99.11. And it's when Walter yanks the titular Lebowski up out of the chair and throws him on the ground. The sound that... And I swear that that's David fucking Huddleston that's getting thrown on the floor there. Like, I don't see a stunt double there, but whatever. I I don't know. I can't be 100% sure, but goddammit, it looks like him. It's like you could tell the dude's stunt double just didn't have the, the body aura of Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. But this guy, right. if it's not David Huddleston, he's got the same aura. Anyway, he throws him down. Boom! He hits the floor. And there's another... Was that Thunder moment? Because mm-hmm. he hits and it just it reverberates through the whole house. Well, was it actually Thunder though? I, I don't know. I don't think so. It just seems like they were punctuating the sound of him hitting the floor just to mm. like drive that emotional stake into right. your heart a little bit, just to make it like really really bad right right yeah no it's definitely not thunder i just re-listened to it yeah it's just the echoey because again he hit the ground he hits it so hard it just reverberates through the whole room and it like you have this several hundred pound sack of meat falling from a height of about six feet directly onto the ground like and it gives you it's gonna it's gonna make a thud it's gonna make a hefty thud and it gives you the little emotional gut punch so that it kind of puts you in the shoes of both Walter and the dude, and they're both kind of standing there, like, all of a sudden realizing what they've done, or what Walter's yeah. done, and it's like, fuck. Well, again, and I, I did this, like, I watched it in slow motion. Ugh. So that's another thing you can do, like, the Walter's face, his expressions, like, he kind of looks... <laughs> and like his eyebrows go up like huh hmm. hmm and then he just kind of goes back down like huh, huh? and then like huh and then like again like again. <laughs> and looks at the dude and then they cut to the dude and the dude's just like 
looking at him, looking at Walter, looks down, looks at Walter, like, what the fuck? Like, uh, like, like well, yeah. You could tell Walter's trying to, like, his mind is racing to come up with any good angle on what has <laughs> just gone down. Right. And he just can't come up with He's just like, Any shit, good I, thing like, it's it. as if like he never really expected that that could pop. Well, he didn't expect that that no, like, was even a possibility. <laughs> he's never been more certain of anything in his life. <laughs> yeah. And now like his whole world just kind of crumbled down around him. But there's, I mean, that would be because I watched that part in slow motion. Um, you know, I think there are certain moments of this movie that look really nice in slow motion, and that's one of them. And that could be that wouldn't be a bad thing. Rip that little section, put it in slow motion, throw it up online. Is you're talking about the close up on Walter? The close up on Walter, and then the next shot, which is the showing the dude's reaction. Yeah, yeah. They're both great shots, and they looked amazing in slow motion. There was so much to take in. Like, you can't take it all in. Like, you can't deconstruct all that uh, Jeff Bridges and um, whatever the guy that plays Walter's name is. I don't know. <laughs> John Goodman. John Goodman. I'm uh, there for you, buddy. I got your yeah, back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, watching their faces in slow motion, like, you just yeah. see actually all the work going on there into their face. It's amazing. Well, can you work on that? Can you work on getting a slow-mo version yeah, of that? Yeah, I could do that. Maybe we'll put it up on YouTube, put a link to it. I can work it. on that, yeah. Put it on our YouTube channel, for God's sakes. Yeah. That's been a while. Been a while. Sorry. Listening to you talking YouTube to me too much. But, um, yeah, I like this. It And I think you're right. There's so much going on. There's so much work that they're doing with their faces. They're fucking acting their asses off there. That I almost... I had to watch this minute a couple of times, even just this scene, because I was listening to that impact of the titular Lebowski's meat sack hitting the mm-hmm. ground so much. But you almost don't even realize there's a shot from, like, way up in the ceiling. That's how you see the big Lebowski get thrown down. Like, it's way up in the air. Right. You see the dude. You see Walter... And you see him, th- like you see almost the whole room. You're up, the chandelier mm-hmm. is even in the foreground of yeah. the shot, which is one of those shots that kind of just shoom, swings right by. But think about how they had to shoot that, for God's mm-hmm. sakes. Like they're in a real house, and now they got to get this like big ass camera right. rig like 20 feet up in the air. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I imagine there's vaulted ceilings are in play. Sure, but there's um, wide angle lens. Sure, but a really great wide angle lens where it's like you know, geometrically corrected. Right, so it's not looking all fisheye and yeah. I mean, those exist. They're super expensive. You know, they they exist. Forty grand, sixty grand, just for the lens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, that's one of those shots that kind of just flies right by and you barely notice it, but. When I noticed that shot, you can see, so first of all, when Walter is slapping, like emasculating the titular Lebowski, slapping his hand away from his wheelchair control, you can see Mm -hmm. in the background the dude is standing off the carpet, because there's a very, very nice rug there, bigger than the one the dude stole, but similar in style. Mm -hmm. The dude is not standing on the rug, and then Walter picks up. The big Lebowski throws him down, and then we get the chandelier shot, and now the dude is standing there, and he's 
couple of well, feet onto the carpet. Without looking at the the shot closely right now to know, is it just possible the dude stepped forward during the during the whole scuffle? Anything? This whole like, hey, put him down, man! Like it's possible he was stepping forward. Anything? Like, those two possible. shots, it doesn't cut from the shot of him to there. So anything's possible, but it didn't. It didn't seem like it when I watched it. Because uh, I mean, it's not exactly. He's, he's like actually the, backing up when Walter's holding him. It just doesn't seem like he's moving. Right. He's kind of frozen in place. Yeah, I see what you mean. Anything's possible. It's not a big deal. I just wanted to point it. Yeah, out. no, you're right. I'm with you. No big deal. Looking at it now, it definitely seems like yeah, it's a bit of an anomaly. It's just it was better framing because if you look at where the dude is standing. And if he was standing off the carpet in this overhead shot, he'd be out of the frame. They just had to mm-hmm. move him in a little bit. Again, no big deal. Just something I noticed. You have to make these concessions to, you know, at the for the benefit of the art. Yeah, without a doubt. It's not really, it's not a movie about how people are standing in the exact same right. place from shot to shot. Right, we're That's not, not what the movie's about. That's a different movie. <laughs> Much different movie. That could be our... our next endeavor after we do the 17 different podcasts that are on the docket. Mm-hmm. We'll make are, a movie about where people's feet are. Right. A geographically specific and accurate movie. You'll notice from one shot to the next, it's very accurate. Mm-hmm. Nothing else happens. No. But it doesn't matter. You'll just be so wowed and odd on how uh, geographically accurate it is. That's what we'll call it. The geographically Accurate movie. All right, I'm going to write that down. That's actually a really good movie. A geographically. I feel like we're getting behind here. We're not... We did one revisit so far. All right, well, let's do a couple more. Um, At least. So, then we cut to the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. Yes, here we are. All right, so here we are. At least we're into the next scene now. Yes. We see Donnie... Walter and Dude are in the background sitting at the table. Donnie's about to bowl. And it goes from slow-mo to normal-mo. No-mo. Slow-mo to no-mo. There's a little, uh... They rack the uh, motor speed there. They uh, mm-hmm. they ramp it. There. Tricky little thing. I don't know why. I, I think it just helps give this sort of, like... I'm going to say it's... <laughs> It's foreshadowing. They wanted to put this first shot where we see Donnie because he's about to knock nine pins down, and there's the first time we've seen him not get a strike. There's one singular pin sticking up. Right. And we have a non matching sound effect. It's like a bowl, like you spin a bowl. But the one pin, and it's supposed to be simulating the sound that pin is making as it kind of wobbles around but doesn't fall over. But the pin is going in slow motion, and the sound effect is in normal motion. doesn't match, you know, looking at it. like it, there's, It's just an impression. They're mm-hmm. making an impression there. And I think they're trying to create this little bit of an otherworldly atmosphere around this, like, 10-second scene of Donnie kind of in his own little world. And it's foreshadowing his health issue. Right. No, it's definitely doing that. It's that foreshadowing. And there's something that, maybe you can help me with this, but there's something about, not just, oh, he didn't get a strike, and that's a foreshadow, but there's something about 
the singular pin sticking straight up. I I can't put my finger on what it is, but it every time I see this, it reminds me of the opening scene of Blue Velvet, where he's watering the lawn and mm-hmm. you see the hose get kinked, right? You know? And it's like he had a stroke or something and falls over and dies, right? Yeah, and that's it's a nice visual symbolism of what was happening inside his brain or whatever or his heart whatever it was yeah was getting kinked yeah and i feel like there's something and the pressure building up the water building up and right yeah all that and yeah there's something here with the pin but i, I can't i don't know if it's as literal right i mean that. to me it almost seems like the pin now this might be, be this is a somewhat different but it's almost like the pin is giving him the finger it's like one thing sticking up it's like fuck you fuck you you're dead yeah Huh. Yeah. All right. Maybe that's all it is. Yeah, I like that. Maybe it's that straightforward. But yeah, it's definitely a foreshadowing. It's showing his luck is running out. Mm-hmm. Uh, his reaction to it. Yeah, he's confused. Like, why? What? Because he's when he first throws it, he knows like, oh, that's a good one. He's got mm-hmm. this like cocksure, self-satisfied expression on his face. He knows it's good. And it's like, wait, what? I don't get it. I don't fucking get it. And then he walks back over, still confused. I can't read either mm-hmm. of the names on his shirt. He's got two initials, like J.D., J.W., Joss Whedon. I don't know what it is on the front, but there's another name on his back left shoulder, right. and I can't read that. E- Johnson? <laughs> um, It almost looks like it could be Johnson. That's what I want to hope it is anyway yeah it could be i can't really tell it doesn't quite look like johnson but i can't imagine what else it would be like right no i know what you mean doesn't quite look it like it kind of looks like j-a-h-m-a-m to me jamon 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 but like i don't know it's probably just kakaboob kakaboob it's probably just Whatever you just said, Johnson Vagina? You mean you know the guy? Oh, oh, before we get too far, also, this whole scene in the titular Lebowski's West Wing Mm -hmm. is in stark contrast to the last time we were in this room, where it was very dramatic. The titular Lebowski seemed like this larger-than-life figure. He's there by the fire. He's got the drink. The ransom note. It's like, right. oh, it's dark. There's pools of lights. Very foreboding. And now, like, all the lights are up. It's just a wash. It's very flat. It's like everything is exposed now in this room. We can see all the little corners, all the cracks and crevices, everything. There are no shadowed areas. Just brightly lit now. And the titular Lebowski is about to get exposed, and does get exposed for a fraud right here. Nice nice tying in. The DP had to talk mm-hmm. to the Coens. Deacons was like, hey guys, what if we just, you know, they probably had an idea too, but then he executed it and probably had some input on that. Just different elements of the filmmaking tying together. The fire's not going, you know, so there's not that element of, like, chaos or chance or uncertainty it's just like everything's out in the open now just want to throw that out there i thought it was pretty cool no i'll go with that yeah 
Definitely. D- does a bowling ball back to the bowling alley now? Mm-hmm. Donnie smashes it in there. The one pin stays up. The bowling ball just goes straight down the middle and kind of sits in the back and spins a little bit, but it doesn't like go down in anywhere. Does that happen after somehow does something come and clean the bowl? I thought the bowling ball would always just went down and found a little trough and then got fed up or does it wait for the little, I think it might not come back till after the pin sweeper comes through pin setter, right? Well, the pin setter, or are they sets two different? the pin, but then the pin sweeper sweeps the pins away. Is that the preferred nomenclature? Is no, pin I don't sweeper? know. Okay. I, I just kind of made it up. But I feel like... I know what you mean, I but... I don't know. I thought they were all just called pin setters, just all part of the same device. Well, I think the pin setter might... might. Well, there's a sweeping motion that's part of setting the pins. Yeah. But does right? that affect the ball, too? I think the ball just couldn't roll back into nothingness because then the the pins would do the same thing. But the pins are a different shape. Yeah, but there's not a shape that would let a ball go in, but not a pin. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes you got round turds. Sometimes you got long turds. They all go down the toilet. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I would need to get a tour of like back behind there. I would love to. Haven't you always wanted to go back there and you know, see what it, it's all about? I didn't so much. I kind of had sometimes, but after doing this podcast, I definitely would like to get up close and personal with what's back oh, there. I want to be back there so bad. I'm sure we could arrange it. We're adults now. If we just mm-hmm. ask, you know, yeah, we're not like a 10 year old kid. Can I go back there? No, shut up. Get out of here. I could ask, you know, with some courtesy, somebody might make mm-hmm. it happen. Call, be like, I'm from such and such video productions. I'm no, back there I'm making from, a film. Do you I'm, have any idea who I am? I'm from fucking gutterballs.tv, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> Donnie's bowling ball. It's got that sort of orange, that classic swirly orange. He bowls it, kind of spins in the back there. And then when he goes and sits down, that same ball does come up in the return and come boop, clunk. Same ball. I just want to throw a shout out. Nice continuity there. Nice bowling ball continuity. Nice, yep. Almost done sometimes with three visits. They na- sometimes they nail it. Once in a while. Geographical revisit. When the dude and Walter and Thurston enter the home to go embrace the titular Lebowski, they walk down the stairs. There's a huge. Floor-to-ceiling windows, you can see Bunny nancing about all nakedly, and you can see L.A. kind of swept out in the distance, the city, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I looked up the mansion where they shot this, and so that's facing, uh, I forget, this was a long time ago. I kept push kicking the can down the road, as it were, so this is from like four episodes ago. Anyway, I did the geography the little mental map and looked at Google Maps and the way they come down the stairs and then turn to their right and go towards the quote-unquote West Wing. He's in seclusion Mm -hmm. in the West Wing. That actually is the West Wing from what I can gather to where this mansion is. There it is. Nice. That is the West Wing. Another detail they mentioned. They, They nailed. Right. They nailed that shit. So, good work. All right, hour and 20 in. Um, that's all the revisits I have. 
Yeah, I mean that's that, that more or less sets it up, I guess. I mean, the it is interesting. Again, one of the things I noticed with the subtitles mm-hmm. that I never really paid attention to is what Walter was talking about, especially because during the whole pin um, being knocked down, but one is standing and Donnie's reaction, like they kind of like slow time down mm-hmm. and they slow the audio down, so it's yeah. even not it's not quite as intelligible. But Walter's back there, um, in essence, complaining about how this conflict in Iraq, it's just all about oil. Right. You know, it's not like, you know, fighting communism. he was fighting the communists, but right. this is just nothing about nothing. It's about oil. Right. I, I noticed that, too, for the first time. Yeah. So that was just an interesting note. And he adds in, which is what I personally hear, dude. Right. I thought he said... Would I personally adhere to? Well, I don't know. Because he says, I don't know what sense that would make. Because he says, um, it's nothing about nothing. It's about oil, which is what I personally adhere to. He adheres to oil? Well, I guess he adheres no, he, to that theory, I guess is theory, what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, the subtitles that I have here say, which is what I personally hear, dude. You know what we would have to do? We would have to watch the movie with subtitles on and count all the dudes because it's a well-documented fact how many times dude is said. But you never know. They might not have counted this one because it's in this garbled section. Well. We might have uncovered a uncounted dude for all we know. Would prove nothing. Would prove nothing. I don't know. That's a little dicey. A possibly uncounted dude. That makes me a little uncomfortable claiming that. Well, I guess we're not claiming it. We're just saying it's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm all like right with that. If we ended up with that dude not being counted, I wouldn't say that is proof that he did not say that there. Okay. So, oh, okay. I mean, I was just going off of like what I heard. I thought I because I didn't have subtitles on. That's your world. Just seemed to me like nothing about nothing except oil or, or whatever. And he's like, which is what I personally adhere to. Which is what I personally hear, dude. What do you mean? What I hear? Aren't, you're hearing the same things everybody else is hearing. Well, no, he has personal connections. That's how I take it. You know what I mean? What personal connections would he? I'm have? not saying he really does, but he likes to put on just like he can get a toe by 3 a.m. Right? This is what I hear. All right, okay. Because I'm, I'm with in you. the know. Because I'm in the military. You know what I mean? I'm with you. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm not sold, but I'm I'm with you. I'm listening to your pitch at least. I think it's an interesting. I think it makes more sense because it, uh, see, I just thought that line builds upon his character. Just when I personally, well, so does the other way though, which is what I personally adhere to because he's not fighting in this war. He fought in the Vietnam war, which is the war to end all wars. As far as he's concerned, because he watched his buddies die face down in the muck. Mm -hmm. This bullshit war is nothing. It's stupid. It's just about oil. It's going to be, you know, a pushover, tank battles, not eyeball to eyeball. That's fucking combat worthy fucking adversary. This bullshit is bullshit. So I think they both work to build his character. You know, he was doing 
Mm. He was doing God's work in Vietnam, fighting communism. Mm-hmm. What is this? It's just about oil. That's not noble. There, there's no greater cause. There. There's no no goodness going on. It's not a righteous war like Vietnam, <laughs> you know? But yeah. I think they both work for his character. They might. I think mine is more in-your-face works. Well, that's my interpretation. Your fucking opinion, man. That's totally my opinion. So, so, but now we've gotten actually into the into the actual minute. The actual minute. We've actually gotten into minute one hundred and one. Finally, about a minute, about an hour and twenty three in. All right, we can get through some of these. We don't have to do all of them. Well, I think we can. Lightning round. Ready? Or you know, maybe. Well, do we want to play the minute? Do I just fuck it? Oh yeah, because we are. Okay, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. We should play it now. All right, let's play the minute. All right, let's play it, go. Whereas this thing should, uh, you know, should be a piece of cake. I mean, I had an M16 jack going out of the Abrams fucking tank. Me and Charlie, eyeball to eyeball. Yeah. That's fucking combat. The man in the black pajamas, dude. Worthy fucking adversary. Who's in pajamas, Walter? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Whereas what we have here, a bunch of fig eaters wearing towels on their head trying to find reverse on a Soviet tank. This this is not a worthy hey! thing, sir. What's this damn rest shit? What's this bullshit? I don't fucking care. It don't matter to Jesus. But you're not fooling me, man. You might fool the fox in the league office, but you don't fool Jesus. It's Bush League psycho stuff. Laughable, man. <laughs> I would have fucked you in the ass Saturday. I'll fuck you in the ass the next Wednesday instead. Woo! You gotta... That's fucking combat. <laughs> the man in the black pajamas, dude. Worthy fucking adversary. So I tried to figure out... Do you know what that means, man in the black pajamas? Well, it refers to the Viet Cong. They'd wear I mean, their, I guess it does. Yeah, they'd wear their coolie hats and their, you know, black... Not fatigues, but what amounted to pajamas, you know? Looked like cool lots. Did they wear black outfits? Yes. Uh, okay. I mean, have you never seen Platoon? Probably not. Jesus no, Christ. I haven't. God but, damn it. Okay. Well, it's just strange, because again, I would feel... Apocalypse Now? Ever? Brad. Gee. I tried... Well, I guess you Google the phrase... The man in the black pajamas, and all you get is Big Lebowski stuff. Page after page of references to Walter saying it and Lebowski. None of them, nothing about like, just nothing from anything else. Well, right, because Big Lebowski has taken over the world. So I guess that's part of the problem, right? Look, do, do me a favor. Search Viet Cong Uniform. All right. And go to images. I'm not necessarily saying that man in the black pajamas is like a part of our cultural lexicon, but I, I, like I know exactly what he means as soon as he said it, even the first Mm -hmm. time I saw this movie, just because I'd seen enough war movies set in Vietnam to like that made a perfect image in my head. Like, fuck. Yeah. I know them running around through the jungles. All right. Just yeah, from I movies. Gotcha. And do you want to put a link to one of these? Pick one that you think kind of um, visually describes what Walter's talking about. 
and we'll put it in there. I mean, it's a way to describe the Viet Cong's uniform, but also be disparaging about it a little bit too, because they don't have the fatigues and canteens and the, you know, fancy, all the fancy shit and bells and whistles. They're wearing pajamas, you know? Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, they're in like sandals and flip flops, basically, because that way their feet aren't sitting in like water for a day or two days at a time and getting gangrene. Mm. So it's smart. You know, they were adapted to their environment. The pajamas are loose. They can stay cool. You know, it dries out quicker because you have air moving in between them. You know, we were destined to lose that war. Anytime you got an aggressor going across continents to put the smack down on people, odds are they're going to lose. Did you get a good link to one of them? I don't. No, no, I'm not comfortable with any of them. Why? What, what's your Oh, here's up? one. All right, okay, here's one. Here's one. Viet Cong uniform. There it is. All right. You got it? I got it. Are you comfortable now with... Um, I'm comfortable. We're ready to go. With with that idea, mm-hmm. though? That no, is... I totally get it. Okay. I just, again, it's one of these things where it's like, you just imagine it's like a phrase. Kind of like... Uh, and maybe it is a phrase, but like, for whatever reason, the phrase does not exist on the internet. Kind of like Octoon Baby. Yeah. So Octoon Baby was the same kind of... Yeah. He team reference. he says Octoon Baby, now he says Man in the Black Pajamas. Yeah, it doesn't have to be of like a phrase, like like I said, part of our cultural lexicon. It just sometimes it can just conjure an image that strikes a chord, and it doesn't have to be something that it existed before necessarily. Mm-hmm. I asked my wife Leslie, you might know her, about the phrase "octoon baby" being the household. Um, German expert and she she did not know that as a phrase outside of like seeing signs like around borders between east and west like Octoon which is basically like attention right you know don't cross here or we'll shoot you yeah yeah but yeah that was about the extent of it there was no like Octoon baby being this colloquialism or anything so wasn't able to get any more there. If you look, I want to do one more. I I just, I want to do one more visual note, Brad. And I think, because we're getting pretty long here. And right. I don't want to just, I don't want to do a lightning round. I don't want to speed through this. Because you said it, Quintana's coming up. And I think it would be a disservice to not spend some time on right. the last scene with the Jesus. Yeah, we're going to have to, again, there's going to have to be major revisits. Major revisits. In the next episode. We can't possibly do this this minute complete justice. We we can't. So I want to end with this. There's at um I don't even know how to refer to times anymore now. One hundred colon forty eight. What do I even do? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's I guess. That's kinda awkward, but yeah. One hundred colon forty eight then. Which is in essence one colon forty colon forty eight. Yes, that's right. Okay, it's just weird because once we clicked over to minute one hundred, our 
time code system that we were using doesn't work anymore. No, right. Yes. That used to confuse me as a kid. I'm like, wait a minute. 99 is an hour and 39 minutes. But but then 100, that should be... I could never... It took me a couple of years to like wrap my head around how... I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. It confused me. It still conf- <laughs> right. it confuses so me confusing. now how I was confused, but it it still gets me. There's something weird about it. I can't really explain it. Hour and thirty nine, hour and a half, a hundred. Something about like one hundred. You get ninety nine minutes to one hundred minutes. You wanted that to be like an hour should be fifty minutes, so that one hundred is. Two hours, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, write it. <laughs> I'm just going to say 100 colon 48 because mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking at. Uh, Quintana's coming up there, but in the background, you can see a guy bowling and he almost fucking falls down. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, oh, just watch it really quick. Write it like 48. Yeah, I see a guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he almost eats he does it. one of those things. I've done those where you're trying oh, to like oh, oh. bowl and you're on one leg and then you, oh, wait a minute. Yep. You go past the tipping point. It's like somebody spilled their oat soda there, maybe a little bit. And he kind of does a little. And he's wearing sneakers. He's wearing fucking sneakers. So no wonder. Wear bowling shoes, jackass. You know, when you get a little bit of moisture. On the the wooden, like, very shiny floors of this bowling alley, it's like, you know, you're slamming around on the poop deck. Next time on Gutter Balls. My beautiful Jesus is Bush League Sega stuff. <laughs>